Welcome to Papa's House Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this service, visit Papa's House India by logging in into SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook. Lord Jesus, thank you. As we gather in this time, I pray that you would be with us, lead us, guide us, and help us to know your ways. Uh, we do not come before you as people who know it all, but we come before you as people who who want to know more of you, who want to hunger and thirst for your righteousness so that we can be filled. So I pray that you would give us listening ears and a heart to believe and a heart which is willing to walk in your ways. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Romans 8.28 says, And in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So this morning, when we came, I think we came the wrong way, the usual way, and we didn't realize that there was flood there. The entire road was blocked. And then we had to come the other way. But praise be to God, we got a pilot. <laughs> so I was just joking with Vashni and my cousin that, see, we've got a pilot now. This is like, you know, a minister's treatment we are getting. <laughs> Usually back home, when a minister is going, there'll be a person on the bike, you know, in the front. So Brother Shiva became, you know, our pilot to help us to know the way. <laughs> so in just a humor, you know, even in small, small things, God does work together for our good. So, uh, I was just thinking today, what, uh, what should I really share? And I thought maybe we can uh, take a journey through James chapter 1. Um, it's a very beautiful book. So, uh, the entire chapter, we'll try to go through. Uh, if time permits. So, James chapter 1, verses from 1 to 27. So, as I was looking into this chapter of James, I was just thinking, you know, I, I wanted to be very clear on who exactly is James? Who is the person who is writing this book in the Bible? And uh, uh, last couple of, you know, Weeks, I have been reading this commentary by David Pawson. It's called Unlocking the Bible. It's a very beautiful commentary. If we can, it's available on Kindle also. So if we can get hold of it, I think it will be very good. It's quite deep. It goes into a lot of cultural, histori historical backgrounds, uh, uh, how those chapters in the Bible was written. So I'll just read out a few things from that commentary. So who is James? There are five people called James, I'm reading from the commentary. There are five people called James in the New Testament. Perhaps the best known is James the son of Zebedee and the brother of John, who was the first martyred apostle beheaded by Herod in AD 44. Next there is James the son of Alphaeus, another of the twelve. There is James the father of Judas, not Iscariot. 
There is James the Little who has been mentioned in Mark 15:40. Finally, there is James the half-brother of Jesus. So it was this final James who wrote this epistle. Now James was one of the four half-brothers of Jesus who together with a number of sisters, we don't know how many, formed the family circle. So what were the things which James did, you know? Uh, okay, so the next mention of James comes in Acts 15, where he is the presiding elder of the fellowship in Jerusalem. He was not one of the twelve, and yet Clearly, by unanimous consent, he was recognized as the leader of the mother church in Jerusalem. His role in Acts 15 was especially crucial. He faced a most difficult and delicate crisis, the biggest in the early church's life. It concerned the whole question of circumcision and whether Christianity would remain a Jewish sect or would become a universal faith. James presided over the meeting that could have split the church right down the middle if agreement had not been reached. But James saved it by appealing to the Spirit and to the Scriptures. Peter reported what the Spirit had done with Cornelius and his household, and then James said, Well, that ties in what the Scripture says, and quoted from the Old Testament. It is important to note that rather than giving his flock a command, since, as Christians, they were not under the law, he encouraged them to choose a loving response to this issue. After this council, a letter was sent out to the Gentile believers everywhere, which explained that the Gentiles should not have any burden from the law of Moses, but should be sensitive to the scruples of Jewish Christians when eating with them. The letter promoted a position similar to that set out by Paul in Romans concerning disagreement among Christians over issues not directly dealt with in scripture. Paul said that those who have liberty in disputable matters must be prepared to forego their liberty for the sake of the weaker brother. It is true, of course, that the more you mature in the Christian faith, the freer you are from scruples. But while a person still has them, more mature believers should give away. When James sent this letter from Jerusalem to the Gentile believers, he also wrote another letter to go to the Jewish believers. And this is the letter of James. So basically, the letter of James was actually directed to the Jewish believers. It is a letter telling the Jews how to behave in the Gentile world. The, 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 advice, the advice corresponds almost exactly with the letter in Acts 15 to the Gentiles about how to behave towards the Jewish world. So it is a mirror reflection of that letter, albeit a much longer one. Other historical documents tell us that James stayed in Jerusalem and was given the nickname James the Just, which was a wonderful quality for a presiding elder. He also had a second nickname, Oblias, which means bulwark, a really reliable person. James came to a tragic but glorious end following the death of Festus, the Roman governor, 
and before Albinus took up office, there was a gap of about two months in AD 62 when there was no Roman governor. The Jewish rulers seized the opportunity to attack Christians because there was no Roman government to say, you can't put anyone to death. At that time, they captured him, took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, now blaspheme Christ or we will throw you off. This was the very pinnacle where the devil took Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. James the just simply replied, I see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory. So they threw him off. But the fall didn't kill him. So they started to stone him. As he lay there with his bones broken and the stones being thrown at him, he said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. The crowd watching cried out, James the Justice praying for us. What an end. Finally, someone out of sheer mercy got a big wooden club and clubbed his head and died. Of course, he was only one of the many who perished for Jesus in those early years. When his fellow Christians came to pick up his body and gave him a decent burial, they were astonished because for the first time they saw his knees which looked like the knees of a camel. Here was a man who spent more time on his knees than on his feet. He was well regarded within the church. Eusebius, one of the early church fathers, said of him, the philosophy and goodness with which his life displayed to so eminent a degree was the occasion of an a universal belief in him as the more just of men. Hence the nickname James the Just. One of the writers at the time, Hegesippus, said, James was a Nazarite. He was in the habit of entering alone into the temple and was frequently found upon his knees begging forgiveness for the people so that his knees became hard like a camel in consequence of his constantly bending them in his worship of God and asking forgiveness for the people. Because of his exceeding great justice, he was called the just. So this was the James who's actually writing this epistle. And he was not a mere preacher who was preaching to others and telling, do this, do this. But from this story, what I can make out is James is a person who did it himself and then what comes out of him you know is really you know spirit led and spirit directed uh, I mean of course the word of God says all scripture is written with the inspiration of the spirit of God so this is a man who really walked with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit directing him. And this was the man who wrote James. So let's just travel through James. Mm, I was just looking into verse 1. It says, James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve disciples which are scattered abroad. Greetings. James had every right, you know, to probably boast and talk about his relationship with Jesus. He was not just a disciple. He was the half-brother of the most important man 
in the whole world and that's jesus christ but you know it's amazing that you know the thing that james is telling everyone is not james the half brother of jesus he is not saying you know james the greatest apostle he is not saying james the great preacher he is not saying james the person who has got camel like knees who's been praying you know a lot but his identity what he thought of himself is revealed here when he says a bond servant of god and of the lord jesus christ so i think probably this makes me reflect and i was and when i was reading this and probably you know it is a verse of reflection for all of us how do i identify myself what is my identity what is my security is my identity in the fact that i go to church every sunday is my identity in the fact that you know probably for christians you know these are the kind of things probably which may be there the fact that we pray every day the fact that we read the bible every day or is it that our identity is with the degrees that we have got you know how do we identify ourselves what we think of ourselves deep within our hearts and that's something which only god knows and i think that wretchedness is something probably you know that all of us have to you know uh, know about ourselves that we are wretched sinners who are nothing all our you know uh, spiritual stuff all our you know uh, degrees all our good deeds everything is like filthy rags before god and the only thing that stands is whether i have understood my wretchedness and i have accepted jesus christ as my personal savior or not if a person has understood that person's wretchedness and the need for a savior that is jesus christ i think the response will be like james who says he's a born servant of god and of the lord jesus christ this is a paradoxical thing which he is saying no bond servant uh, when when we when we identify according to the views of the world somebody who is a bond servant is somebody who is not free is somebody who is chained is somebody who does not have wish or desire of his own at all and you know he's just like sort of in a prison you know when we say a bond servant but the paradox is when we become born servants of jesus christ the truth sets us free that's where we get satisfaction when god starts revealing his truth to us even as we read the word of god the truth of god sets us free there may be so many questions in our heart actually those questions are the ones which have been which have put us into bondage once we start receiving answers to that questions not all questions will be answered but what is necessary for us to know god will answer and even as we receive the truth of god sets us free so it's a beautiful thing to be a born servant of jesus because that's where we actually find liberty that's where we find 
joy that's where we find satisfaction no wonder you know uh, david says it is better for me to be in the lord's court for one day than anywhere else better is one day in your courts than anyone anywhere else and no wonder david says you know even if i have to get punishment let it be from the lord and no, let me not fall into the hands of my enemies because with the lord there is mercy then verse 2 says my my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials i think when we go through bad phases in our life uh when we say thank you to the lord it's always a demonstration of our faith in the goodness of god knowing the character of god even though we may not understand what we are going through um like the beautiful example which i always remember is the life of job he didn't understand things but the demonstration of his faith was that even in that bad situation he never cursed god he said praise be to the name of the lord naked i came naked i go praise be to the name of the lord so i think as believers um, i think we should make it a habit to give thanks to the lord no matter what uh it's like our past experiences with the lord tell us that he's a god who's reliable he's a god who turns things for good he's a god who does not allow a bad situation to happen in our lives without any purpose you know he's he something good he does by which either he changes our character or he changes something you know through that bad situation so knowing that fact i think uh, as a child maybe as a you know uh, as a child believer maybe our response when we don't know god so much maybe that time our response will be like why god will question god a lot etc etc but i think once we have tasted the goodness of god our response should start changing to god i thank you that you are taking me through this kind of a trial i thank you i don't want to question you but i just want to be honest about my feelings that it's painful i mean of course you know it's not something which is giving me you know that kind of a happy kind of a state but i just want to say god thank you so i think when we thank god it's a demonstration of our faith that i don't understand everything but god sees beyond everything and he knows what is happening in my life and this is the same james you know who was thrown down of that mountain and stoned oh my so much of pain would have he would have to go through but the only response was for father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing uh, i still remember the story of richard wombrand uh, he was a pastor in romania and richard wombrand uh, that was a time when romania was taken over by the communist regime the russians invaded uh the communist uh, the the romanian the romanians there and they wanted to make a single church 
which would give allegiance to the communist government but he was one pastor who stood up and said no i'm not going to do it because you know the scripture says completely different things about christ and what you are suggesting is completely different so i don't want to agree to this and because of that he was put into jail that jail was almost similar like a concentration camp you know wherein he would be put into a uh, okay. every day there was beating uh, they would hang him upside down and his legs there was a man who was assigned to beat him it's a very beautiful movie maybe we can see that tortured for christ it's available free on youtube also so then there was a man assigned to beat him just beat him at the leg he would bleed like anything and then after that you know the form of torture would be he would be put into these two kind of bars and uh, nails thick nails would be there in those bars so that his position had be, had to be like this for days he wouldn't be able to sit if he sits the nails would pierce him so imagine that kind of torture when people have to go through because they are standing for christ but there is no you know even single moment that he curses god or says god how can you you know allow such a you know unjustified treatment to happen to your son how can you allow allow etc etc the only thing that i see is moment he is tortured he is sent back into his jail room he starts singing praises unto the lord so i think uh, if we make it a habit as believers that no matter what happens in my life i will say thank you to the lord of course being honest saying that it's painful but not cursing the lord and saying you know i don't think you care you know how can you be like this i think there's a difference between being honest about about our feelings to god and cursing god i mean god understands our feelings but when we curse god that's when the when the devil rejoices and says that's it i achieved my purpose that's what happened no in job's time god says uh, uh, the devil goes and says god you have created so much fence around him no just remove that fence see he will start cursing you but when that didn't happen the devil was defeated so in our lives also there's a lot of thing which is happening in the spiritual realm so i think when we make it a point to thank god even in the bad situations the army of god is winning i mean we are demonstrating our trust unto the lord and that is what makes god proud of us and that's exactly what uh, god told the devil about job have you seen my servant job there's no man like him such a proud moment no for god to say like that about job so i guess for all of us also you know it'll be a proud moment for our father in heaven when we demonstrate our trust and say thank you lord Verse 3 and 4 says knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing Of course when we go through very difficult times it's so easy to blow up the fuse it's so easy to 
just let out that emotion and you know finish it off but i think it's difficult to wait it's difficult to you know just hang on and not do something which would displease god and when we do that there's always that stretching and patience which is produced in our lives so i think next time when we go through difficult phases in our lives uh, i think it's always good just just to be silent and not say anything at all lest we say something which you know is displeasing in the sight of god and then we regret about it so i think just staying silent and just taking it and saying god thank you you know i don't understand it but i thank you please help me so i think that trial actually produces patience and next time when we face that kind of tri- trial it it won't feel so much at all so then god will allow bigger trials so that our patience the elasticity of our play- patience will be stretched further somebody was saying um uh, th- this is just a uh, uh, some uh, one thought that somebody was saying that person prayed it seems god uh give me uh, th- something that happened to that person's like god give me teach me how to be patient and then next day onwards you know a very difficult person started you know working with that person so testing his patience and stretching his patience he want he wanted to say things in anger but you know he just had to keep himself and then you know that realization actually i had prayed that god give me patience so many a times when we ask god produce please produce the fruit of the holy spirit in our lives that's one you know when god starts taking us through trials so that the fruit of the holy spirit will be developed in us which is goodness joy patience uh, meekness thankfulness i'm forgetting all the um, all the 12 no the fruit of love joy peace uh patience meekness okay i'm forgetting galatians 5:22 all the components of the fruit of the holy spirit verse 5 says if any of you lack wisdom let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach it will be given to him i think all of us go through this kind of phase no when we are so confused we don't know what to do life doesn't have answers all the time so especially when we face crossroads especially when we have to deal with difficult situations in our life but i think the bible is very clear if we lack wisdom we just have to go to god we don't have to you know probably read counseling books as the primary thing of course those may be secondary things but first is we need to go to god we don't have to probably even you know the priority should be to go to god first second should be people and other things so always when we are confused in life i think it's always good to shut the door be with god and say god i don't know what to do please give me wisdom and god is gracious he will give us the wisdom you know even as we ask him how how do i know for sure because this word says he gives liberally and without reproach and it will definitely be given to him verse 6 to 8 let him ask in faith 
with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord he is a double minded man unstable in all his ways mm. i think when we ask god something uh, we are totally abandoning ourselves onto the lord and saying god no i am asking you to please do this i am not able to figure out how exactly to go about it but i believe in my heart that now you will guide me so even after praying that it should not be like will god help me will god you know really come through will god really you know uh, provide a way for me i think once we have committed it onto the lord i think our reaction should be god thank you i believe that you have done it i believe that you've already you know started the process of giving me the wisdom you know how to go about this particular thing please help and god does come through we've always seen in the past it's never been like you know we have committed something to the lord and you know he just abandons us and says you know i'm not going to guide you into this verse 9 to 11 says a lowly brother let him glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation so this verse just reminds me that whatever kind of state i am in that state uh, should not be affecting me uh, in terms of you know making me feel depressed making me uh, probably go away from god here there are two kinds of things one is a person is getting exalted another is a person who's getting you know humiliated so whatever kind of state it is there i think the response is always god you gave you you took it away thanks to you so i think what probably james is trying to say is our attachments should not be so strong that it becomes very 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 painful for us you know to let go when god chooses to take it away from us and also our poverty the attachment to poverty should not be so strong that when god gives us something that we'll say i don't want it's god i don't deserve it you know just take it away from me you know so i think there's a balance which god is probably putting forward saying even if you get it you you do lose it let the reaction be that god thank you it's you who gave it's you who's going to take it away uh i i still remember i i keep sharing about this when my mother after transplant no when she was very sick after transplant um day 3 into transplant she had to be intubated and then she was in the icu and uh, her creatinine started rising newly transplanted kidney her kidney started bleeding there was blood in the catheter then her blood pressure started dropping um it went down 
and she started requiring medications in order to maintain the blood pressure at normal level. Then the uh, the arterial blood gas usually normal pH is more than 7.3, but her pH dropped to 6.8. Then her lactate started rising to, you know, I think it was six or seven. I don't remember exactly right now, but it was on the higher side. So. As a doctor, when I see those values, when I'm looking into her reports, I know she's very critical. I know she may die also. Uh, I still remember uh, sitting in front of that computer and nothing was happening. Just tears were just rolling down my eyes. You know, the thought that was coming was, she got such a good kidney after waiting for almost four years. Such a healthy kidney. And then three days after the transplant, it is catastrophic. Everything seems to be falling away and there's a chance that I may actually lose my mother. The two thoughts that were coming to me was, of course, I wanted God to heal my mother, definitely. After undoing, undergoing such a big procedure and, you know, so that your mother can be free from dialysis, so that she can have a good, healthy living for a couple of years more, as long as the Lord uh, chooses to. I wanted her to live, definitely. But at the same time, the thought that was coming in my heart is, what if her time is up? Of course, one day all of us have to die because of this, the, you know, the doing of our great grandfathers and grandmother, Adam and Eve. Sin has entered and death has entered by which all human beings have to die once. So the thought was, but what? In his timetable, God has thought that she should be taken away with him forever. What would I say unto the Lord? So that moment, of course I placed my desire unto the Lord, saying, God, I really want her to live after, you know, doing all these things. But when that thought came, the thought that went back was, can't I trust God? Whether she lives or she dies, can't I trust God that what he does will always be the best? So when that thought came to my heart, it was like, yeah, actually it is true. God can be relied. And even if he chooses to take her away, he knows what he is doing. So then that moment, the prayer that came out of my heart was, God, I believe that you are God of miracles. I, I believe that you can even raise the dead to life. And I believe that in your mercy, 
you can heal my mother though everything looks downhill right now i know you can do it you can give her life once more god i believe but but i don't understand everything god what you have in your mind so even if it turns otherwise god let your will be done after i made that prayer there was you know a sense of peace in my heart that father god is reliable is trustworthy and he will do what is the best for my mother so it was an abandonment of my desire abandonment of my thing onto the lord saying god this is my desire but even if it is otherwise you know do as you think is best uh, i think it brings a great peace in our heart when we abandon you know that worry that you know thing which is troubling in our heart like that onto the lord and then the next year on was of course you know god desired that my mom should live for a couple of more years you know i i don't know what is the purpose but things started moving in the positive direction her ph picked up the next day it was more than 7.2 lactate started dropping uh, of course when that uh, kidney started bleeding that time the doctor who had operated came and spoke to me and said roshni it's okay even if she loses her kidney let her lose it now her life is more important as like oh, okay sir so yeah got 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 did it in a positive direction and then she lived and then she's still living of course it took about 12 days in the icu 10 to 12 days and she was extubated she was off inotropes and now she is healthy walking around she looks much more healthy than me also in fact i can't do so much of exercise like her <laughs> every day her routine is she'll be doing exercise you know in the campus which i fail to do every day so so that's the story about yeah so i think our attachment with things should not be so much that when god chooses to take it away we become bitter towards god and say god how can you i trusted you no i think the trust would be like the trust which daniel and his friends showed by which they said we know our god is able to deliver even if we are thrown into the lions den but perchance he does not do it still we are not going to bow down so that was the demonstration of the faith it doesn't mean that when god doesn't answer in the way we want him to answer he is a bad god for example when my father was in the sick bed when he was dying he was very sick he got pneumonia he was a diabetic he went into renal failure that time also we were praying and asking god saying god 
please heal my father please heal my father but when my father died uh, I, you know that time i could understand why of course that time i questioned god and i said god i prayed so much we prayed so much that our father should not die why did you take him away and i didn't know whether he has accepted christ as a savior or not also because i was in college that time i didn't know what had happened so i had that question towards god you know probably i've grown little bit from how i was that time maybe i was a baby christian that time and i question god and say god you know i trusted you why why did you take my father away but i received an answer two days after my father passed away and that's when my mom told me that just before he passed away my question to god was you know why did you take him away without him knowing the lord as you know his savior and my mom told me moments just before he passed away he accepted christ as a savior and when i heard that i just burst out crying because uh, before my mom told me this what had happened is i was praying and then um, before actually just before my father had passed away i was praying for him and then uh, the kind of thought that came to me that time was you need to let go i was like how can i let go you know so it's kind of uh, that kind of thing that was coming in my heart was you know maybe my father is going to pass away now and that time you know uh, the kind of dream that i saw was uh, god showing me um, uh, i i told god that time which um, that god how can this be possible he has not yet accepted jesus as your savior how can you take take him away and that time when i um, i saw a dream that time in which i saw a big hand and that big hand was clasped like this don't worry about it i've got him in my hands so i didn't understand anything of this what what does god mean by saying you know don't worry about it he's you know totally in my hands then when my mom told me this things made sense to me that god had actually planned from the very beginning itself about that day and when i got to know that my father was in the lord i stopped complaining to god and i said god i'm sorry you know i'm sorry i'm sorry i complained that you know why did you not answer god but now i know that you have answered and you've done the best because there was peace in my heart at that time and joy in my heart that i know i have not lost my father for eternity i know i'm going to meet him again and sometimes i imagine him to be with the witnesses of you know the cloud of witnesses who are watching over us romans i think 12 no or hebrews 12 chapter 1 at uh, verse 1 which says cloud of witnesses are cheering us sometimes i imagine you know my father is with the lord and he is also seeing the things you know which i do probably out in the open or secret 
and whenever i feel down you know there are clouds of witnesses who are cheering me saying you know you can do it you can do it hold on hold on don't give up yet so uh, that was the thought which i had it's uh, good to say what is our desire unto the lord but god may not do exactly as we desire so i think it's good to abandon that desire unto the lord saying this is my desire god but even if it is otherwise i will still praise you trusting the fact that you are good daddy good papa who will do the best in this situation so th- that was the thought which i had um i think i will just go with next verse and then uh, probably i will end with that so i'll go to verse 13 to 16 it says let no man say when he is tempted i'm tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed then when desire has conceived it, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death do not be deceived my beloved brethren so mm, I, i think we cannot stop the birds from flying over our head but one thing that we can really do is to stop them from making a nest over our head so this was something this concept was something which Uh, god taught me when i was in school um, as i had shared before i accepted christ as my savior when i was 11 years of age and after that um, like the first kind of baby prayers that i made unto the lord was god uh, i had started reading the bible that time and i said god i want to be like jesus please help me to change and be more like jesus and i didn't ri- realize that was one of the most dangerous prayers <laughs> that i could ever make <laughs> because after that the molding which was happening was you know many a times very painful <laughs> so painful but for good you know that pain will remain uh, at that time but once it is healed we know that God has changed us to be more like Jesus. So uh, in school when I uh, I used to go to school we used to go in a school bus. So that time I had said God help me to think you know holy thoughts. I don't want to think impure thoughts. So in that area God was dealing with me and helping me to change in that area. So i was with friends we we used to stand in the bus we used to love standing in the bus though there were seats also because it used to be more enjoyable so there was a particular area in the main town where they stick cinema posters in the uh, on the wall so then there'll be so many kinds of posters which would have lustful things in them now i was in the process of that in which i had made a prayer saying god help me to think of holy thoughts i don't want to think of you know 
bad thoughts. I don't want to displease you by thinking of thoughts which are not right in your sight. So that first glance was not a problem. It was like bird flying over my head. But the temptation was, maybe I'll have a look once again. And that time, movies were, were my weakness, you know. There were times when I used to see movies till 3 p.m. and next day would be my university, I mean the main exam in school. So the next was the difficult part in which my flesh would say, just see it once, that, that actress looks so pretty, you know. Just turn your head once. And on this side, you know, the thought that comes, of course now I understand that was the Holy Spirit deal, dealing with me. On this side, the thought that would come is, Roshni, what have you told God? You want to think of pure thoughts. Don't look back. Don't see it again. Don't see it again. There were times I would fall and I would give in to the temptation and then I saw, that's it, I know I have sinned. Because the word of God says, even in your mind, if you have thought of a lustful thought towards a woman, you've already committed adultery. You don't even have to do it in action. That's exactly what Jesus says, no? So I think the second glance is the problem. It's nothing wrong to, to look at somebody who is beautiful passing by, a handsome guy who is passing by. But after that will be the temptation. The temptation to look back again. And when I look back again, that's when the seed of sin is sown down in my heart. If I meditate on the seed of that sin more and more, if I think about it, now at, at that's the moment when the enemy of our soul starts igniting, you know, helping us to ruminate on that thought which has been sown. And then if I keep continuing thinking, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and if I don't abort it through the help of God, it's going to come out into action, which is not going to be good, because everyone will see that. And if everyone sees that, it's going to be a blas blasphemy unto the name of the Lord. So I think all sin always starts in the thought. The seed is sown. It's in a very subtle way. Who would have thought that that second glance would sow the seed of, you know, lustful thought in my mind? But only God knows. But if we choose at that moment itself to tell God, God, I know I did wrong. I shouldn't have looked at it the second time. Please forgive me. Please remove the seed of sin that has sown in my mind. Wipe it completely. I don't want to think about it again. Please help. So I think one kind of abortion that is allowed in the Bible is the abortion between the conception of sin to the birth of sin. And many a times, if we look back in our lives also, uh, if we have nurtured that sin, it takes many, many months to probably even years before that sin is born in action. If we take care of that sin in the thought life itself, 
it will not be produced into action so i think god has made full provision for us he has given us his holy spirit to give us the strength now even after getting so so much of help from the holy spirit if we choose to meditate on those thoughts and produce sin then god cannot force us we will sin so you know i think the provision is already made for us now we need to cooperate with the work of the holy spirit in our lives and yield to what he says for example that moment when the spirit of god was nudging me and telling me don't look back don't look back if only i listened if only i listened on that day that would not have been a defeat but even after i looked the provision was go back to god i think when we sin i think we shouldn't go to such an extreme again which we say oh i did so bad onto the lord now there is no hope for me just like you know the pilgrims progress uh when christian goes astray with faithful he enters into giant despair's cage and then he said no hope do we remember that he says no hope no hope i don't have any hope but thank god for people like the hopeful who encourages him and finally they find their way back onto the lord so i think i'll keep till here and uh, we'll just sing one song before i pray um let the beauty of jesus be seen in me i think all of us know that no let the beauty of jesus be seen in me all his wondrous compassion and purity oh the spirit divine oh my nature resigned to beauty of jesus be seen in me god let your beauty be seen in us and as we read few portions on the book of james help us to change into the likeness likeness of jesus christ and help us to walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lusts of our flesh thank you so much god for everything that you've done for us even at times when we haven't understood why you've always been so good thank you because you are a trustworthy father who can be trusted to do what you do we love you god in jesus name amen